Welcome to the Gamer's Tavern. This intro is going to be a little bit on the short side because I'm still in the middle of my move and the new studio isn't quite set up yet. I don't know if you can tell, but there's a little bit of an echo here. Echo! That's why I sound a little bit roomy. Um, this week, however, we have two amazing guests, Grady Elliott and the Dungeon Bastard himself, Tom Lommel, talking about conventions. Convention season is upon us. Uh, I don't know if any of you tried to get on the Gen Con registration today. Apparently that was a massive, yeah. Um, However, we're going to spend this episode talking to you about how to survive a convention, what to do before, during, and after the con to make sure that you are able to function and enjoy it to the best ability you can. So grab a drink from the bar and take a seat at the table in the corner and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Don't think you have enough time to read the latest book? Well, you've got time to listen to us every week, so why not listen to your favorite books with Audible? Their library of over 150,000 audiobooks is the largest on the internet, all professionally produced with talented readers. Click on the link in the show notes at gamerstavern.org to get a 30-day free trial, including a free audiobook. Or, do you already know you want to subscribe now and don't need a trial? Then you can get your first three months half off for only $7.49. Catch up on Game of Thrones before the new season, reread the old Dragonlance series, or refresh yourself on the classic cyberpunk stories from William Gibson and Neil Stephenson. Sign up for Audible today by clicking on the link in the show notes at gamerstavern.org. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Gamers Tavern podcast. I'm your host, Ross Watson. And I'm Daryl Mott Jr. And tonight we have with us some really great guests. We've got the Dungeon Bastard himself, Tom Lommel. Um, yes, I'm Tom Lommel. I'm the writer and creator of Dungeon Bastard, where I appear as my alter ego, Bill Cavalier, the Dungeon Bastard. Yes. <laughs> right, so Tom is not actually the Dungeon Bastard. He, he plays that character. So It's true. Let me be clear on that. Uh, and my good friend and fellow RPG professional, Grady Elliott. Yeah, I'm uh, the creator of the RPG known as Terracide, which was released for the Hero System in uh, 2011. And the Savage Worlds edition will be released sometime late in 2014, if all goes well. So later this year, look for that. Okay, so tonight we have these two gentlemen on to talk to us about surviving gaming conventions. This is our guide to convention survival, and this is the very first part of that. Uh, we're probably going to do some later parts. But before we jump into all that, we're going to do what we always do here on the Gamers Tavern. We're going to ask our guests to give us a little bit about who they are and where you, the listeners, might know them from. It's called the Gaming Character Sheet. Uh, let's start with Tom. Tom, what is your gaming character sheet like? You know, even though the Dungeon Bastard himself would probably disavow it, I am most likely your gaming bard. Um, you have probably, uh, hopefully seen me as the Dungeon Bastard or perhaps in some other, uh, gamer related activities. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm most known for. I'm also known for playing Doug Douglason in the series Fear of Girls. So those are probably the two kind of like uh, signpost 
uh, gamer-related things that you might have caught me on. I was also a moderator for many years on Monty Cook's forums back when he ran the Malhavik Press. Oh, wow. So, so uh, I don't know, uh, two levels in Wizard, uh, nine levels in Bard. I currently live in Los Angeles where I'm pursuing my career as, a, uh, as an actor and, and writer and entertainer. Are you an elf? Am I, am I an elf? Ooh, boy. Some days I feel like I have the constitution of an elf. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I don't I, I don't have the pointy ears. I, if there was a half dwarf, maybe because I have the, the bulbous nose and the gap teeth. Ooh. Um, I don't know that my feet are hairy enough to be halfling. So uh, maybe some sort of uh, some sort of off-brand human, you know, somebody from the far, some somebody from the the barbarian wilds of Minnesota who has gone <laughs> forth to seek his fame and fortune. Are you from Minnesota, for real? I am originally from Minnesota. That is correct. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Oh, yep. Wow. Born and raised. Yeah, Ross lived up there for a while. Yeah, he worked for Fantasy Flight. That's right. Oh, nice. Yes, yes. In fact, uh, back when they were. Um, originally doing their uh, their big magnum opus uh, midnight movie, I was involved in the very early stages of being in the cast of that. But then I moved to L.A., so it just fell out. So ah, uh, yes, the Midnight Chronicles film. Uh, yes, Midnight Chronicles, which was I uh, ambitious. Uh, really, I mean, it looked fantastic. So, and a lot of my friends are in it. So, <laughs> yeah, well, almost every person who ever worked at Fantasy Flight uh, is in it. It was there at the time. Well, Midnight Chronicles is extremely ambitious. Is a great word to use for it. I always say, like, I can't believe a gaming company made a movie, and here it is. You know, you know what though? I mean, at at the time, you would have said, I can't believe a gaming company made a movie. Now, here we are, eight years later, and I mean, everything that they did, very doable on probably like you know, I don't know what they spent. I have no idea, but you could do that on a on an aggressive marketing budget if you really wanted to. Yeah, well, you know? technology certainly has improved, that's for sure, uh, and just you know the ability to edit and so forth. But yeah, let's uh, let's ask about Mr. Elliot, Mr. Grady Elliot. What is your gaming character sheet like? Definitely a jack of all trades. Uh, I was a gamer for a long time before I really did anything of note. Uh, in 2007-2008, uh, I assisted with the organization of HeroCon in uh, Glen Burnie, Maryland, and that was that was Ross Watson's baby. Really, he was he was the driving force <laughs> behind HeroCon, and that was that was a small local convention that uh, we both helped to organize, and I was uh, one of the people involved with that. It was it was right about that time I, I started working seriously on writing Terracide as a um, as something that would be eventually published. Mainly because I, I started doing Terracide scenarios as convention games at that convention. People were like, "Do you have any plans to publish this?" And I was like, "Are you kidding? That'd be too much work." Of course, it got published. I, they pushed me. So that was that was really where it all started. I think uh, as far as professional gaming. If there is such a thing, are you a genetically enhanced Russian space soldier? <laughs> I'm I'm pretty much plain vanilla human. Oh, okay. Wow can Absolutely. can I be genetically enhanced space soldier? Can I actually can I take that over? I've, what do I have to do? Maybe by the end of the podcast, I've, I will get there. Uh, I've I've got them in the they're in the game. You can be one in Terracide. <laughs> they're kind of awesome. They uh, are. You know, uh, speaking of that, I think I will point out that um, 
while Grady has has many powers and abilities on his character sheet, he does also have a curse listed on that character sheet. That is the curse of rolling dice. I have never seen anyone roll as poorly as Grady Elliott when it comes to the D20. Oh, that's true. Am I right or wrong? <laughs> oh, game science saved my game. <laughs> I, I, can, I can roll some bad dice. Grady, let me ask you a question, though. Is there someone in your group where it's dice karma? Because I had that in my group where one guy would roll absolutely, like, just abysmal every single time. And on the flip side, there's another guy in my group who I've seen him roll three natural 20s in a row. Well, I, Like, he has ridiculous dice luck. I can roll 20. I can roll a 20 exactly when I shouldn't. Like, when I have chosen the absolute worst course of action and I'm doing something terribly wrong, I'll roll a 20. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, that doesn't transfer like that. to anyone else, huh? Right. There's no one there's no one in your group who no one no one who benefits from your horrible dice oh. luck. You just bring everybody down. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> he well, yeah, Grady has learned though. He's he, all of his characters have all of the abilities that do not require dice rolling. He like specifically like if does this make me roll something? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. Um, next, we're going to just quickly, briefly talk about uh, what we've been playing lately here on the show. Uh, why don't we start with uh, Daryl? Daryl, what have you been playing lately? Well, last week I talked about this really addictive web-based game I've been playing called uh, 2048. And I found a new version of it. It's called Iron 26. And it is the same gameplay premise, except for instead of matching numbers to grow, you're matching elements and and it's supposed to simulate fusion in a star's core, and you're trying to get to iron for the star's core to be a full-fledged star. And I keep getting friggin' magnesium, and I can never get past it, because it won't fuse with anything. You can make a volcano with it, I understand. What good does that do me, do me if I'm making a star, though? All I'm saying is in grade school, <laughs> we learned how to make, you know, volcanoes. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, anything else? Any other role-playing games or computer games? Yeah, uh, been working on a secret project, trying to do a little bit on that. Can't really talk about it yet, though. But, All right. But it's uh, something that's really, really good, and hope it, it, it's something I'll be able to talk about after Gen Con, I think, vague. based on the how I'm understanding the legalities at the moment. Vague thing is vague. Got it. Yes. <laughs> and you still want to play Birthright? Oh, God, yes. All right. Well, that's, that's I just, good. <laughs> I, I just got off of editing the Birthright episode, and it's like stuck in my brain, too. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, Mr. Lommel, what have you been playing lately? You know, there's there's been several things. I'll just run through like three of them really quick. So one of my mainstays, one of the like beer and pretzels games that I love is a game called Martian Dice. And uh, if you like um, zombie dice... Uh, Martian Dice is a very similar concept where you're trying to uh, roll particular combinations to score points, and there's dice, you know, there's faces of the the die that that count against you, and there's there's faces that you can use to negate that and whatnot. My issue with Zombie Dice is that it, it's basically you get to the to the two shotguns rule, and then you're then you're done. Like the smart play there is just keep rolling till you get two shotguns. And then quit, and and there's there's not enough depth of strategy. Well, with Martian dice, it's a little bit, it's got a little bit more kind of push your luck element to it, and you can make a few more intuitive choices without making it this kind of insane game that that you have to spend hours to figure out. So when I have friends who are like not heavy gamers, or we just have like 20 minutes, we want to play something fun, I'll break out Martian dice. So I've I've been enjoying that. I've really been enjoying Lords of Waterdeep. I don't know. I mean, oh it's wow, been out that's for, a great you know, name. A year. No, I'm but, a big fan. Uh, 
Yeah, Lords of Waterdeep. And, and it's interesting because mostly I play a two-player, but um, you know, I recently played a three-player game. And I will say, like, I find that it's one of those games that I, I first played it on an iPod, and the screen was a little too small for me mm-hmm. to really understand everything that was happening with it. And then I actually played the you know physical game at the tabletop and it was like oh now it all makes sense <laughs> um so if you don't have a tablet like like, like and, and also the physical game is just gorgeous so yeah. i really i really um i like lords of water deep a lot i'm really enjoying playing that and then the thing that i just played this past weekend is couriers have any oh, yeah. of you played couriers i have yeah so dice drafting game it was designed by my uh, good friend uh, who I worked with at Fantasy Flight. Um, I, I like it. Uh, I, I feel like it was designed um, not specifically for a two-player game because in a two-player game, I, I kind of felt like I was either losing because I wasn't getting enough monsters out. I like it. There's just a few tweaks that I want to make to it to make it a little more aggressive in your face. I feel like it's probably an interesting game, like really like hits a sweet spot like around four players, but playing it head-to-head... You know, there there wasn't a lot I could actively do to keep from losing or to keep myself from winning, you know, <laughs> which sounds weird. But um, in a two-player game, it was like, well, I put some people out and then you just roll all, all quiddity. So I guess I don't have anyone to attack. So I'm automatically going to score points. So uh, it's I, I mean, I love dice. I love custom dice. Um, and I like the customization of playing the cards out so that you get a lot of different variations in the mix. But it's, it was a new game to me, and it was something that I I, uh, I think I have to play through a few few more times to to get a, and play with a few different people in order to get a full kind of opinion of it. Lords of Waterdeep too plays very differently when you're playing two versus three or four people. Are you playing it straight, or are you, do you have any of the expansion? Well, the expansion. It's like a three part in one expansion for Quarriers or Lords of Waterdeep. Lords of Waterdeep. Uh, I've just played the straight game so far. Uh, you might want to look into the uh, Scoundrels of Skullport expansion. I actually gave it my uh, expansion uh, award here when we did our award show for Gamers Tavern. It adds another layer of element to it because there's a completely new... There's all sorts of new adventures to go on. There's all sorts of new encounters. And then there's a new uh, resource called Corruption. Nice. And it it just it opens up the game a lot. So if it, if it starts getting a little bit boring to you, definitely pick that up. Yeah, um, so far I haven't been bored by Lords of Waterdeep, so. <laughs> but I'm definitely looking forward to trying out the expansion. And Mr. Grady, what you been playing? Uh, lately, last few months, I've actually been uh, playing Pathfinder, and that's uh, that's a really popular game in these parts. Uh, the we had our most local popular conf- in the world, according to uh, mm-hmm. all the internet research. Our uh, local convention here uh, last month, I think, uh, something like. Well, over half of the games were Pathfinder Society. Uh, I'm not in Pathfinder Society, but I'm enjoying uh, learning about Pathfinder. Uh, I hadn't actually tried it until just a few months ago. The exciting thing about this game for me is that the GM, this is the first time he's ever GM'd anything, and he's just, he is so enthusiastic about getting to do this that even though he's, you know, it's kind of rough going because he's learning as he goes, it's just great to see somebody new to the hobby you know, learning to do this stuff. And so that's kind of the best part about it for me. He's saying he needs a break, and I can understand that. He's got uh, four players who are all older than him and more knowledgeable than him, and we're we're kind of tough on him sometimes. So he's saying he wants to take a break before he continues with the campaign. So I said, okay, I'm going to... I can play test my stuff. I've got this game I'm publishing later this year, so 
I posted some playtest files online for everybody, and they're pretty excited about trying that out for a few weeks, too. And so I'm going to be teaching some new people to play Savage Worlds in a few weeks and doing another playtest of uh, my new game, and we're all going to be doing that in a few weeks. We're really excited about that, too. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I guess that brings to me. Um, I've been playing... Actually, we're starting a new campaign of Arduin Bloody Arduin, uh, which is the new version of Arduin Grimoire. My friend uh, Money St. John uh, for Emperor's Choice Games is running that. Uh, Arduin's uh, just about at its 40th year anniversary, which is uh, one of the oldest game settings in the industry. Kind of, it's really cool. It's kind of a crazy land full of everything, you know, <laughs> in, in the in sort of the rifts fashion, and I really like it. You know, I'm continuing to play my uh, Avengers uh, Next Generation game, which will be tomorrow. Um, and we're still playing the Shadowrun Game Table game, uh, which will be on Friday. Uh, let's see. Lastly, I think I want to do a quick shout-out to uh, a friend of mine, uh, Matt Greenfield. He wanted to mention that he's doing a Kickstarter for a project called Guild of Shadows, uh, which is kind of a weird but cool uh expansion for Savage Worlds where you can play as a Thieves Guild and he's really trying to get that feel of the uh, Scott Lynch, Liza Locke Lamora novels or the Brent Weeks novels. He's really trying to get that that feel, mm. that tone of playing Thieves where it's not about the spells or the muscle, it's about the planning and the uh, and the guile, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I went in on this. I went in on this. <laughs> yeah, if you're interested in checking it out, uh, look for Guild of Shadows on Kickstarter.com. Uh, so that is going to take us to the Tavern Tales. In Tavern Tales, we're just going to ask you guys to briefly give us a cool story about a die roll, a very memorable die roll in your gaming history. Uh, let's start with, you know, since I gave him so much shit about it, uh, Grady, what's a memorable die roll story <laughs> you have for us? Okay, oh, just last week, the Inquisitor that I'm playing is seriously gimped because he's he's down two levels because he got raised from the dead. And he's um, he was carrying this item, which had one use of Dispel Evil on it. And we run into a demon that was way above uh, the challenge rating for our party. And it's it's 40 feet in the air, none of us can fly, and it's it's generally ruining our day. And he was, he's been sitting out a lot of fights because he's, you know, he's third level, the rest of the party's fifth level, and he's like, nope, I'm done. And I, I actually had a new character that I just brought in who was same level as the rest of the party and he's like i got nothing you know he can't touch this thing inquisitor comes running up with this uh talisman that's got dispel evil on it he hands it to the paladin and he's like i'm gonna get this thing down here and you're gonna this you're gonna dispel evil on it he he whips out his sword and he, he uses judgment on it to turn it into a good aligned weapon and he starts trash talking the demon he makes a bluff check of course, he rolls a 20 on it to bluff the demon to come down and get him. He's using himself <laughs> as demon bait, and he's third level. And uh, the demon blows his sense motive rolls, and of course, the demon's coming straight at him. Um, except it didn't come down to get him. It used magic jar to possess him. And I'm like, oh, I am so screwed. Um, it worked out okay, though, because now the demon's possessing him. It's got his touch AC, and dispel evil requires a touch attack to dispel the demon, and and I'm like, oh, well, okay. Now the demon's got my touch AC. My touch AC is the worst in the whole party. It's a sitting duck. So the the, the paladin <laughs> standing next to me has to make a touch AC attack a, a, with a target number of, like, 11. And the GM's <laughs> like, wait, did you do that on purpose? And I'm like, uh, maybe. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> not that's not the way you're supposed to do that, but it worked. I, I rolled nice. a twenty on on bluff, but I'm not sure if I should have or not. <laughs> no, I think I think it all, as long as it works out, you know. Yeah, you're not supposed to let the demon possess you. <laughs> well, you know, you know that that depends on the game, but yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Lommel, what about you? Have you got a great story about a, a memorable die roll? You know, um, this was a couple campaigns ago, and uh, we were playing in uh, Monty Cook's uh, city of Tallis. I was DMing, and the players got in, they got involved with the mafia on in the, in the wrong way, right? <laughs> so, you know, the good way to get involved in the mafia is to start working for them. But uh, the party had decided, like, they were really big into, like, running a business. They wanted to have something that they owned, that they ran. And so, so they came across this, this, this small keep that was inside the city. And uh, it became their base of operations. But they were like, well, hey, why not, why not? Let's run a business. So let's start a casino. Well, of course, <laughs> the local cl- crime lords came around and were like, uh, hey, great. We heard you're running a casino. Why don't you, uh, why don't you give us a... You know, we're going to we're going to cut you in for 50% of the profits. We're going to be generous. So 50% of whatever you make, you know, we're down. Nice casino and, you uh, got here. It'd be a shame if anything exactly. were to happen to it. <laughs> right, 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 right. And uh, at least they were nice enough to take it off the take it off the the net and not the gross. Not the gross. Right, 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 right. Well, I obviously I don't know much about the mob, but <laughs> um We tell the entertainment but, industry, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, legally they can only take ten percent here and ten percent there, but uh, you end up paying anyway. Um <laughs> so at any rate they uh they got in, involved in this like like this ongoing kind of like basically like mo- like mob war where the mob would send enforcers out to uh to you know to try and collect and they would keep trying to do stuff to uh to to fend them off and at one point uh you know one one of the one of the horrible like crime bosses rides a nightmare around town right like that's that's her shtick is like you know like guess what you know here i am come you know what are you gonna do about it yes i ride a nightmare across the skies of of talus and uh <laughs> and so she came down and just started like just dusting them with stuff you know dropping spells and you know having her her mooks come and 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 wipe them out and they were like ninth level so this was like way out of their league and i'm like okay well she's going to come down and she's going to take whatever she wants and then she's going to get away right and she's just pulverizing the party and she steals whatever item that that she needed from them and as she's flying away, now they're doing some pretty interesting, like my players definitely know how to min-max a character. And uh, so they're doing some hardcore damage, but she's like, I'm going to grab this thing and get out of here. And it just as she's getting like up out of bow range, she's at the very edge of bow range, um, the archer is like, all right, you know what? I'm going to take one final shot at her. And I'm like, yeah, right, buddy. You, you know what? Like, you're at the extreme end of range here. You're going to need to, like, critical to even, like, connect or whatever. <laughs> Guy drops the dice down. Boom. Now, not only does he roll a natural 20, but then he has to confirm it, right? Rolls another natural 20. <laughs> nice. Does He's using his longbow, so he does triple damage to this thing. I don't remember what else he had done to juice this roll. But needless to say, at the very edge of bow range, he just hoists his bow squints with one eye and drops the major crime lord in the center of the whole campaign. I'm like, well, 
That was awesome. I guess somebody somebody's gonna have to step in to fill the void because they just took down. Yeah, n- no. What? So what? She's she's a shape shifting demon that rides around in a nightmare. She's still susceptible to magic arrows. Nice. <laughs> That's a great story. That's a. I gotta admit, I'll I'll be remembering that one for a while. You know, these kinds of stories are the things that you learn and hear about not only at the game table, but also at a gaming convention. You see how I did that there, Daryl? Nice, nice. <laughs> nice little segue. So now we're going to talk about the convention survival guide. And Grady has helped organize conventions before, and Tom has been involved with the convention operations at, a, at Gen Con and things like that. So you guys are going to be good guests for us to talk to the listeners about how to survive your gaming convention experience. Why don't we start with, uh, I'm going to throw this out there for you guys. What are the things you need to do before you go to the convention? Buy your ticket. Okay. Get, yes. Get your badge. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. You can also get that at the door, though. Yeah, I would say finding hotel arrangements is probably your number one concern, actually, depending upon what well no it doesn't depend upon what what uh, convention you go to whether it's well, a packs. small con or a big one like Gen Con or whatever yeah any size convention i think making an intelligent choice about where you're going to stay is like your number one concern so how do you how do you make an intelligent choice about your hotel what are the parameters uh i think you know the important things that you have to have to juggle are what sort of Number one, what sort of expense can I afford? Um, number two, how close is it to the actual uh, activities that are going on? And then number three, am I going to room with somebody to try and mitigate, you know, you know, or, or to, to balance those factors to, to be an optimal blend? And picking a roommate, honestly, is kind of an art in and of itself, too. So, so for me, like, uh, it's tough for me because uh, I'd... I have like so the big convention that I go to obviously every year is Gen Con. Thirty um, years in a row, right? My thirtieth year in a row, thirtieth consecutive Gen wow. Con. Um, I started going when I was four. It was amazing. Oh wow! And this one is my first that I'm going to this year. So. Wow! Great, great. So for me, I have friends who live in town. Um, I'm, I'm also involved with uh, Nazcrag, which is uh, the oldest independent role playing games tournament at Gen Con. They've they've been holding a, a their tourney for over I want to say this is their thirty fifth year thirty fourth year I'd have to I'd have to double check but um, they've been going on forever so usually I have a ton of friends who are at the con so for me to find a room I <laughs> I, I can take advantage of of my friends' generosity which allows me to be a little lazy and I can either bunk with one of my friends or throw in a room with somebody who's already got a good room slot or whatever. Personally, like for me, I don't mind walking a couple of blocks if the accommodations are a little bit better than what maybe I would have like a block away. You know, cuz there's some hotels like how noisy is the place, etc., that sort of thing. How how big are the rooms? How many people are you going to room with? Um, well, it's important to make sure that your hotel is not also skeevy central. Um, I want to point out, last year, I had some good friends who went to Gen Con, and they stayed at a hotel. I Unfortunately, I don't remember the name of it. Um, but they stayed at a place that they knew. I mean, just looking at it, it wasn't safe. And their car got broken into, and all of their stuff that was in that car was stolen. So, you know, word to the wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's things like that that you kind of have to like find find what's going to work for you and your experience that you want to have in your budget. Like I'm the kind of person who doesn't mind walking a block or two. On the other hand, like there's a brand new convention in Madison, Wisconsin. This is going to be its second year, but I went to the first year. Um they were kind enough to have the Dungeon Bastard as a guest there. Um and it's called Game Hole Con. <laughs> <laughs> and they know 
the, the, the name is a little out there, but they, that was the name. That's the name of their gaming space. Like they used to to play in the basement of uh, their of you know one of the guys had had an office and they would play down in the basement. So they'd say, "Well, we're going down to the game hole to you know to get our D and D on or whatever." So they decided to name the con after their gaming space. But like they have it at 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 a hotel and absolutely like staying there, just being able to go downstairs and then go play. And oh, I've got an hour off. Go upstairs and relax. I mean, that, I think that's one of the key factors that you have to kind of like also measure in is like how much downtime should I try and build into my schedule so that if I need a break, I'm not worn out by day two. You may also want to think think about a hotel. Think about what you're going to be wearing, especially if you're into cosplay, because some of those costumes are really really hot, and almost all the conventions happen in the summer. So if you're going to be walking through. Like half a mile doesn't sound like much until you're in a full Game of Thrones costume with big heavy wool cloak and leather boots and everything. That's not fun. Let me tell you, I was at a convention called Project Acon, which is an anime con that happens in Dallas, Texas in July. And uh yeah, the power went out to the whole hotel because a tornado went through. (laughs) So I remember hearing about this. So hotel full of sweaty anime nerds for Yeah, it, there were people in the next year that had badges that said, I survived Acon 4. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's got a point there. I've been to a couple of Gen Cons where I I got a hotel out on, actually, out on a bypass. And I I saved a lot of money that way. They were they were safe hotels. And I stayed four, gosh, I think it was four nights. Cost me a couple of hundred bucks. These are like extended stay places where you can do this. You'll have a, you know, you'll even have a kitchen in your room and everything. And the money you save out there, you can use for parking, which you will need, you know, driving into town at the convention center. Or cabs. Or cabs. That works too. I, I'm, my point is that it's, uh, it's worth considering all your options. The money you save on the hotel, you know, being further away, you know, does, uh, you know, kind of go into the, the cab fare. But there, there is, um, typically at Gen Con specifically, I know they run a, a, a shuttle around. Some places some do. Of those, uh, yeah. I spent the last two years at Gen Con at La Quinta, which is out, uh, you know, I think in that area you're talking about. And La Quinta is fantastic. It is, I, I would unhesitatingly, recommend the La Quinta if you're if you don't mind being a, a fair bit away from the convention and you you know and you don't mind staying it's, it's just not it's a nice secure place to stay that's all I'm saying yeah poor me I'm staying at the Hilton Resort downtown <laughs> I think this actually maybe brings up a, a another issue that maybe um, even comes ahead of choosing a hotel because I think you ultimately have to ask yourself before you plan any of this is, why am I going to this specific con? You know, like you talked about an anime con or you talk about something like Comic Con versus, you know, a more gaming oriented convention um, like Gen Con. Like what what am I going to go there to do? Am I going there for a signing for a guest? Am I going to go see a preview you know, or a panel of a movie? Am I going there to play tournaments? Am I going to, you know, get heavy into, you know, like the magic tournament or something like that? Or am I just going to check out like what's new in the vendor hall and, and what, um, you know, what new products the, the gaming companies have out, you know, a little more casual experience. Like you, I think you should decide like, why do I want to go to this thing? What's my main focus? And then kind of like organize the rest of your itinerary around that. What's my motivation? Um, 
for going to the convention. <laughs> oh, I, I am not a Chekhovian or method actor, but yes. What is your, what is your motivation? Well, I mean, and honestly, like, so you know, if so, if if you want to stay way out in the sticks of of Gen Con, and and admittedly, they know that their hotel space is an issue. You know, um, they sell out every hotel within a twenty mile radius of downtown Indy. Um, in three I or went four to, hours this year. Right, right, and and I went to the um, the press conference that the the tourism board had, like the visitors and convention center, like the head of their visitors convention center, like came and talked to the press about what Gen Con was and what it meant. And Gen Con is their number two money making event in terms of like revenues brought into the city, behind one other event, Indianapolis Five Hundred. No, the nope. Super Bowl. They oh. make more money. They, you know, more money comes into town and gets spent on Gen Con. Than the Indy 500. Oh, wow! wow. So, you know, and the Super Bowl was a one-time event, huh. so you know they they have a very in- vested interest in like keeping everybody happy and and making things happen. But it's also an immensely popular con. So if you're going to stay way out on the edge of town, well, okay, I can't play an event that that goes to 1 a.m. every single night. Well, you can. You just need to get a cab. Right. Get a well, but you know, even then, you got to ask yourself like, what's you know? Unfortunately, I, like I said, this is my 30th consecutive year. I. I I try not to do three or four nights in a row till two or three a.m. Yeah. Um, sleep for four hours old. and turn back around and do it. I was just going to say, not only does it get old for you, but you know what? I don't want to be that guy who's sitting there at noon with with my group of you know with with my two buddies, and then four people come rolling up, and all of them just like are you know bags under the eyes and not paying attention to what the DM is saying when he's setting up the scenario, and not like not. I'm not saying everybody's got to be gaming their best, but don't drag the rest of the group down just because you played, you know, whatever you played until 8 a.m. and decided, oh, I can still make my noon game if I just shower and chug a bunch of Mountain Dew. <laughs> you know, like, be considerate to your other players. It's not like, this isn't something like, a, I don't know, like a collectible card convention where you can, you know, or Comic-Con. Like, Comic-Con, who cares if you're tired? Like, good, well, go sit on the steps. It doesn't affect my experience. On the other hand, if I'm in a, in a gaming session and I'm trying a new game that I'm really jazzed to, to play or playing a scenario that I don't get to play with my home home group at uh, you know back in Los Angeles, then I don't want somebody who's being a schlub, you know, because they couldn't take care of themselves. No. Like, be responsible. <laughs> I know it's a gaming weekend, but like, be responsible. No, that's a that's a great point. You know, and th- this guide is kind of oriented for people who probably haven't gone to a convention before, so it's worth thinking about. You're scheduling ahead of time, specifically, you know, how late you're going to be get back to your hotel room and whether or not you're going to be refreshed for the next day. Those are very, very good points. And, and I will say it's immensely easy to overschedule yourself, to get enthused. There's so much going on, especially at Gen Con. I mean, it is the marquee convention for for the RPG hobby. And there's no way that you can do everything because there's so many great things. going. So it's, it's easy to go, oh, you know what? I, I can fit that in. I can, oh, I can't miss that. You know what? They have one next year. You know, yeah. Like, I, like, take it easy on yourself. I've noticed even the small conventions have a lot of late events yeah. these days. So it's not just Gen Con. Yeah, it's any convention you go to is going to be like this. All this we're talking about Gen Con a lot because it's kind of the big one, and if I'm not mistaken, all of us are going to it. Right. And so it's it's kind of the one that's on our minds right now. But this applies no matter how big or small the convention is. A lot of the stuff we're talking about, you want to make sure you're at a hotel that's going to be good. Almost every convention is going to have a website, and it may not be until the week before the event, but they'll have a schedule up with all the panels and all the games and everything. So that's something you can look into in advance. Yeah, I would recommend take some time 
you know, to just like Tom said, take some time to look at and see what you want to go do. Um, but don't freak out is his other point. He said, don't freak out because there, it'll be there next year. Uh, and that's true. You just can't see everything. I, I worked Gen Con for three years in a row where I spent all day, every day in the game, uh, the game hall, you know, running stuff. And I swore my next year, I said, I swear to God, my next year at Gen Con, I'm just going to go and be a guest and see all the stuff that I never got to see. Well, guess what? I went with a free and open schedule and I still didn't get to see very much because there's, <laughs> there's just so much stuff there, you know? And every year I always go, Oh man, I wish I'd have been able to see that, you know, but you've never done true dungeon. Have you? I never have. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> but, um, anyway, those are all really excellent points. What about the passes themselves? The tickets? Uh, now you get a price break if you don't do it at the door. If you, uh, pre-register is what it's called by buying the ticket in advance. And usually the, that price uh, drops down about 20, 25%. Does that about sound about right? It varies from con to con. Uh, one thing you might want to keep in mind and keep track of on the website is sometimes they'll have multiple price breaks. So if you buy it like six months in advance, yeah. you'll, you may get 20 bucks off. If you buy it uh, three months in advance, you get 10 bucks off and then it's whatever at the door. So right. that's something you want to look into and research that before the tickets go on sale and figure out exactly when in your budget you're going to commit to it because a lot of them are not refundable either. You may be able to get your hotel reservation back, your car reservation, uh, your plane ticket, your bus ticket, your what you haven't bought your gas for your car for driving there, but a lot of those con passes are not refundable in any way. So that's something you want to make sure of before you commit to it. And there's also VIP passes. Have uh, Grady or Tom, have you guys ever done the VIP thing at a gaming convention? You know, I was um, I was I was actually covering uh, Gen Con last year in my guise as the Dungeon Bastard, and um, but you definitely and should doing... check out those videos. They're really really cool, especially the bit with you in the drow. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I've had the opportunity to do some fun stuff, um, specifically at the con. And last year, as part of that, I had access to the VIP room. I wasn't an actual, you know, full-on VIP. Those tickets are extremely difficult to get. Well, for instance, I, I, they had a, specifically, they have a room on site that's set aside where they have some snacks and they have like chairs and tables for you to sit down. And if you want to game with your other VIP friends, great. Or if you just want to relax in a beanbag chair or whatever, like you can actually like be away from everybody else and have a moment to yourself without having to go back to the hotel. They also get like gift bags and things like that. So, I mean, their VIP experience, uh, it's immensely popular because it's really awesome. The same thing, you know, I, I, like I said, I went to Gamehole Con. I also went to Berserk Con last year and every con also seems to have a, premium type of benefit whereas whether you may get free soda throughout the weekend or 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 discounts or access to shopping you can pre-shop the exhibit hall that sort of stuff you know is that necessary your first year if you haven't been to a con before i wouldn't sweat that type of stuff but it's definitely a nice benefit to indulge in when you've got you know four or five cons under your belt and you're like you know what i want to i want to you know i want to treat myself also it helps them out the more you know these vip passes that they can uh, you know, account for ahead of time, if, uh, sp- specifically for the smaller cons, then they know we can count on these people coming. That you know, uh, it helps them budget and that sort of stuff. Yeah, the uh, program at Gen Con is called the VIG for a very important guest, I believe. And um, I've done it a couple years. The room that Tom's describing is is actually one of the big benefits of this whole thing. Um, it's a place for me. Like I like to bring a backpack along, you know, with my gaming stuff for when I go to a game or. 
Uh, I'm usually running at least one <laughs> or playing in at least one. Um, and they have a bag check area. You can just walk in and drop your bag off and then, you know, go do whatever you need to do and come back, pick it up before you go home. It's, it's, it's a nice place to just stash that thing, especially if you don't have a hotel room close by, which a lot of people do at Gen Con. So there's that. They also, he, he mentioned the gift bags. Last year, I just want to point this out. Last year, they had a, a whole actual like luggage bag, like a big, Luggage size bag full of the brandy new games. It was amazing. And I was actually, uh, I didn't get to pick one of those up. I was a, what they call a companion VIG level. So I didn't get one, but I was like, man, I would like one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. So yeah, the, the price of the ticket is high, but like the stuff you get and you get to avoid all the lines. So you can just, um, you go to that little room and pick up your, your badge and your tickets. You don't have to wait in line for anything. So, you know, and you also get early access to the floor. I believe yeah. at Gen Con, you get it an hour early every day. I'm not sure. You get an exactly. hour early one day. You get the first day, day that the, uh, on Thursday when the convention hall opens for the vendors area, you get to go in an hour early, which is pretty amazing, especially for networking. If you're a, a freelancer like myself, it's nice to just kind of run around and introduce yourself, throw some business cards around when there's nobody else really in there. Or if you're a game reviewer, it's great to get those. It's going to sell out every single day at the con. Like last year, the Firefly board game sold out every single day it was there, and there was a scrum when it opened up. Right. So getting there early. I I don't believe you were actually allowed to purchase anything oh, no, in the you first can. hour. Oh, you can. You can? Oh, yeah. You can? Okay. Well, depend. let's put it this way. It depends on the vendor. Most yeah. Most of the places I visited were like, yeah, well, you know, they know it's open an hour early. It's this is a deal that they made with Gen Con, so uh, yeah, they're ready to sell you something. Well, make sure to read the policies first whenever you do that at other cons, because some of them you may be able to look around, but you can't purchase anything to make it a little bit more fair. But at least you can get in, you can be first in line when the sales start. Right. I haven't done the VIP thing before, but I get a press badge at most places I go through any cool news. So I tend to get a lot of the same perks, early access to the floor, and they have a little press room which is never as nice as the VIP room. But another thing you might want to look into in some of these VIPs is they'll have extra perks or uh, things. I know uh, Comic Palooza and Animation Celebration in Galveston, two of the cons that Ross and I are going to, are doing some really, really interesting things with their VIP. Um, There are different VIP levels, and some of them include like uh, autograph and photo sessions with some of the celebrities, and it'll be at a discount than buying a pass on its own and buying the photo. So you might get 10% off that way. So if you know, if you absolutely know you want to go have your picture taken with, uh, James Marsters or Nathan Fillion or whoever, look into that and see if there's one of those VIP packages for that. You might, uh, some of them include like a breakfast or a dinner with some of the celebrities. Um, I know Animation Celebration is running and I'm, uh, actually participating in one of these. They're going to be having a VIP with, uh, I can't remember what his name is, but it's, uh, the voice actor from Ed, Ed and Eddie. And they're doing a late night cards against humanity game that I'm in seeing. And for, I think it, uh, I want to say it's like 200 to $300 you get to play with a celebrity voice actor. Uh, Robert Schwab from Wizards of the Coast is doing one of the same things where he's playing D and D with you. And it's a VIP thing run by one of the designers of the game. So I'm also running Star Wars Edge of the Empire. So you can play Star Wars Edge of the Empire with one of the designers of the game at there you animation go. celebration. But, uh, you know, I do like taking my picture at Gen Con. I got my picture taken with, uh, Ivan Van Norman where we were beating each other up last year. <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to get my picture taken with Tom if I could find him this year. I'm a tough man to track down, <laughs> but, uh, usually there's only one guy wearing, uh, wearing the sweatbands and a tight t-shirt. Well, after your so. Kickstarter, that might change. <laughs> you started selling them. 
That's right. That's right. Exactly. Do a lot of people get their picture taken with you, Tom? You know, uh, last year I did. I did get stopped quite a bit. It was. Uh, it was very gratifying to uh, have that kind of like fan recognition and that experience. And uh, and and the Dungeon Bastard is a fun character to play. So you know, there's there's always. Uh, I'm always willing to uh, stop and uh, pull a ridiculous pose and uh, growl at uh, somebody's t- cell phone. And I don't know. But I, I don't I, know if it's a little early to talk about. But are you going to be doing another world's worst dungeon crawl this year? Uh, I don't have that in the works right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what happens. We just wrapped the the delivery of last year's world's worst dungeon crawl, which was awesome, so, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That was so, a backer on that one. So for uh, for those who are not familiar. Um, the Dungeon Bastard decided to show DMs how you can run an awesome game even if you use the most trite and cliched encounters possible. And uh, so wow. so that was that was the world's worst dungeon crawl. We did it on Kickstarter last year, and we ran it live for an uh, audience of 200 people uh, Sunday morning at Gen Con, and we had, uh, we had guests, uh, you know, elite-level backers, and we had some random... Uh, randomly chosen backers, and uh, it, it turned out to be a really great game. It was really, on, honestly, it's like one of the best games of D anD D that I've ever run in my life. So it, it really turned out to be fun. So dice bluffer, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've got a question for Grady. Actually, Grady, when you're going to a convention, especially let's say for the listeners, you know, if you're first time, you don't really know, what do you pack? Well, first of all, you you treat it like you would any other trip. You know, you take the things you're going to need. You make sure you've got you know stuff to wear. You make sure you got your toiletries. Make sure you got your, you know, whatever medications you're on. And for gamers of a certain age, that can be pretty important. You know, whatever you're going to need. <laughs> <laughs> I've found that uh, when I've had, you know, if you're on if you're on a prescription, I've found out the hard way if you your last six refills have been refilled like clockwork the day of the convention is the day that your pharmacy is going to tell you you need a doctor's authorization for your next refill your doctor's <laughs> on vacation their computer system has a glitch and the pharmacist is not going to cut you one bit of slack so double check that stuff in advance or your convention trip's going to be ruined because uh, you'll be off your meds all weekend <laughs> it, it happens. It really. It'll happens. make someone else's con much more interesting, but uh-huh. yours will not be so <laughs> For much. Certain fun. definitions of interesting. Oh yes. Um, May you live in interesting oh, yes. times. All you know, anything can happen. You know, make sure you've got all the usual things prepared, and then uh, your your gaming kit is really important because you're not going to be gaming at your buddy's house or the game store or wherever you usually game and. The things that you need when you game are not just right there on the shelf. You know, you've got to be completely self-sufficient, especially if you're running a game. You've got to have everything right there at the table. So whatever it is you're going to need, put your books on a PDF. Get all get all your gaming books in PDF form. Put them on a tablet. Uh, Good idea. Don't, don't be hauling around 50 pounds of books because you're, you're going to be that guy who's completely burned out by day one and a half of the convention i have seen someone who seriously injured their shoulder trying to carry about 15 pathways. it was me i mean um oh wait those are hero (laughs) books um never mind Uh, there were yeah there were uh there were a lot of books and make sure you got your dice and all your all your notes again put them on pdf put them on that tablet make sure your tablet's got its charger 
calculator, dragon bone. Bring, bring an extra charger, actually. Yeah, do that. Maps, erasable maps, vinyl maps, map paper, whatever you use. Markers, markers for the maps, miniatures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go a little further here. I think if, if Grady's, you know, saying if you're running a game, you know, bring all these things. And he's not wrong. Um, but I would go a little further. Make sure you bring enough dice for everybody in case they forgot theirs. And bring pre-generated characters because if you on show paper. up. Yeah, on paper. And and if you show up as as a GM running your game and you expect everyone to make characters before that happens. Never going to happen. Yeah, it, you're, you're, you're hurting for certain. Just bring pre-generateds and make everyone's experience better. <laughs> and make sure if there's anything you have to print out, you print it out beforehand because the hotels are expensive to print stuff out at. They, they all have that little office where you can plug in your USB or email it to yourself and print it out, but you're going to be paying way more than you should for ink and paper. Uh, one other thing I might want to bring up when we're talking about packing games, if you're a board game player, here's something that I have found out from talking to some people and listening to some other podcasts. If you're flying, mail, call the hotel first to make sure they'll do this, and some of them may charge a fee for it, but mail your board games. Do not try to check them because some of the components in modern board games can set off false alarms for bomb detectors. Well, not to mention the guys, uh, they basically dropkick your, uh, your oh, check no. bags around down there. As a guy who's going to be dragging sound equipment, yeah, I'm mailing that crap to the Hilton for Gen Con. I'm not trusting that to the... I, I trust the Postal Service more than I trust airline baggers, if that tells you that anything. That race is an interesting decision that should be made. Do you drive or do you fly to a convention? And some of the things you're taking to the convention might make it worth driving depending on how far away you are. Yeah, it depends on how far. I mean, like for me, that's always a decision. I'm, I'm willing to drive up to, say, four hours. Anything beyond four hours, I'm like, yeah, I, I just want to fly because there's only so much time I really want to spend in the car <laughs> these days. If I can get there in a day, I'll I'll consider driving a rope carpooling because I don't drive. But anything like anything for longer than that uh, i'm flying anything that's out of state and considering i live in texas that's that's a lot of state but anything out of state i'm getting on an airplane or even a bus if i have to but one thing you've got to realize is you may save money on your on gas versus the airline ticket but you've got to worry about parking you've got to worry about securing your car wear and tear and you've got to worry about the wear and tear on your car you've Gonna want to get your oil changed before you go and do a checkup because you do not want to break down on some Indiana cornfield somewhere. Right. But the other big one is time. If you're, you've got to weigh that savings of money against the extra time. How much is your time worth? Well, not just that, but you're, you're going to arrive exhausted if you drive all day. I've, I've driven to Gen Con from uh, Maryland, which was a hell of a drive. Let me tell you. It's a good 12 hours, right? So yeah, you get there and you're, you're done. When you get, to, when you drive that long and you get somewhere, you're done. You get out of the car, you go to bed and that's it. And speaking of uh, hotels is one thing I really want to ask you to consider if you can, if it fits your budget, you may want to consider checking into the hotel the day before the con happens and staying the day after so that way you're not at the end of the con exhausted. Then you've got to deal with the airport or then you've got to drive home. You're not arriving at the con already exhausted from travel. So that's something you may want to consider if yeah. you can afford the extra hotel days. 
Gen Con is doing a great thing these days. There's a group called the Kentucky Fried Gamers, and they actually have extended the best four days of gaming to the best five days in gaming. <laughs> because on Wednesday, the day before the con, you can go to the RAM, uh, which is a pub there right next to the convention center, and you can actually play a ton of games all day, which is a really – they do it on a volunteer basis. It's uh, It's basically, you know, free. I did it last year for Edge of the Empire, and it was awesome. So, uh, and I was running Edge of the Empire, I wasn't playing, but, um, yeah, so there's, there's opportunities for you to do things if you go a day early, typically. You know, maybe you can meet people at the hotel bar, like a celebrity. That's probably where they'll be the night before. Let me. That's actually, <laughs> I found the best time to meet guests is the night before the con starts, hotel bar, the, the Sunday or Monday, whatever your convention ends, that night at the hotel bar, because they're usually flown in in a town they don't know don't know what to do a lot of us a lot of us in the game industry we're drinkers okay there's a reason why i call this show the gamers tavern so we're social drinkers and as long as you're nice and polite and respect boundaries they'll almost always be cool with you coming up saying hi introducing yourself sometimes i got to hang out with uh the guy who played serial pharrell on game of thrones just because i was there a day early and he was sitting there with some people and I, I can tell you this, if you meet Grady at a hotel bar, uh, he drinks Jägermeister. Uh, Tom, what is your favorite drink if we, if we run into you the night before the con? Oh, I'm pretty easy to please. Usually, usually any kind of beer is just fine. <laughs> I don't, uh, honestly, like, uh, Gen Con for me is, uh, there's so much going on that I don't really have an opportunity to go too far overboard with, with celebrating. You know, I'm, I'm there to, to see people, to meet people, to host events, to to get coverage and all that sort of stuff. It's it's you know in some ways it's a working type of vacation for me, and that's why like I definitely am a fan of stay an extra day. You know, while everybody else it's Sunday at three o'clock and everybody's rushing to get to the airport and everybody's checking out at the same time. Do you know what you're doing? You're hanging out. You're going through your loot yeah. bag, going, "Oh man, I can't wait!" Hey, you know what? Hey, guess what? We have nothing to do. Let's play this before we go and get hamburgers at six. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's that's exactly why staying an extra day is good. Tom nailed it. Absolutely. And the other th- the other piece of advice that I would have in terms of like like packing and planning and stuff like that is is like Grady said, you know, bring what you need, but 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 remember, you don't actually need that much if you're just playing. Like I feel like it is the GM's responsibility to provide characters unless they unless you're playing Pathfinder Society where obviously it's your job to bring your own or the GM has said in the event registration bring your own character but otherwise like you need to have maybe maybe two things you need to have a pencil you need to have some paper that's mandatory you should have dice at the table but you don't necessarily to bring need to bring your giant dice bag guess what uh there's going to be a vendor there they're going to sell some dice it's going to cost you maybe Nine bucks, twelve bucks. Um, patronize the people who are there. Who doesn't need another set of dice? Bring, buy some dice there. You don't have to pack your own. You got a new set of dice to break in. It's something to be excited about. But definitely bring your own. Bring a set or two, and if they start screwing up on you, go to the vendor hall, buy another set, train them right. Exactly. Tom, Tom says to patronize the vendors, not the GMs or the other players. Just be clear. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, I will be honest. Uh, you know, if I'm a GM and somebody brings me a little bribe, I'm not adverse <laughs> well, to yeah. eating your snack candies or whatever, which is another thing that you need to think about, which is there's probably not some, you know, you probably have so much going on. There's not a great opportunity to to buy food on site or to walk to a restaurant where it's going to be slammed or whatever. Um, help yourself out by packing some snacks in your bag. Um, Especially you know, go to Costco. if you have any sort of food allergy or anything like that. 
Yeah, if you have dietary requirements, definitely. But I would say regardless, whoever you are, there's nothing worse than, than somebody getting just hangry in the middle of a four-hour gaming <laughs> session and you're like... And and then and I've I've had this happen where guys will be like, oh, you know what? I I, I hang on. You know what? I just I need a break. I'll be right back. And then they get up from the table and they're gone for twenty minutes to go buy their nine dollars slice of greasy pizza or whatever <laughs> it is. You know, you just you you're doing a disservice to the DM and you're doing a disservice to the other players at the table if you don't. You know, use a little common sense and pack yourself a little protein uh, yeah, bar. Yeah, power or bars, oatmeal bars are like my favorite. Uh, those are those are good and easy to travel with, and it doesn't they don't care if they get hot. You know. Uh, trail mix is another good trail one mix. uh jerky <laughs> though they'll make sure and we're going to get to this a little bit later make sure if you're eating a lot of jerky shower please you know that's another thing you should bring with you is soap soap and deodorant is is just <laughs> unquestionably an important thing use it bring it use it bring it i just i can't emphasize that enough <laughs> and there's one last thing I want to talk about in packing. We we definitely talked about make sure you've got enough clothes. I always make sure to bring extras because, again, big guy, summer, most of the cons I go to are in Texas. I usually bring two sets of clothes for every day. When I'm at the con and the vendor hall and everything else, I wear my daytime set. I go to the, whenever it's about time to, okay, we're about to switch to the evening events i'll go to the hotel room shower and change again so i'm not wearing the same sweaty stinky clothes all day long if you don't bring deodorant you may find people patronizing you just saying yeah not in a good way <laughs> the, the other thing that's that's changed quite a bit in the years that i that i have been going like the, all of those things are like that's like it doesn't matter whether it's 1990 or 2014 like that advice applies bring yourself something to eat you know take care of your personal hygiene and whatnot be a friend to the rest of your gamers but, um, you know, Grady made a great point where it's like if you can now get all your rule books, you know, you should be able to find a way to get, you know, your the essential rule books onto a tablet or onto your phone or whatever. One of those, not necessarily an extra charger because sometimes um, an outlet is tricky to find, but you can get one of those portable rechargers for like, you can get a giant one for 60 oh, bucks. I, I have a solar I, one. I brought one for, and, and for 20 when, Daryl, when was the last time you were at a convention where there was enough light coming into the convention it's hall? A, it also carry? charges by cord. <laughs> you're, you're talking right. to a guy who, if he didn't have a day job, would be a vampire. Listen, so. the reason why I say bring an extra charger is I lost one at, at Gen Con, and the only reason I was able to be okay is because I had a second one. If I had gone and lost my first charger on the first day, which I did, uh, I would have been screwed, right? I had... My phone would have ran out. My tablet would have ran out. Uh, I'd have been just, you know, bumming around completely Luddite for the rest of the weekend. And I will tell you right now, you will be everyone's best friend at the bar if you have one of those batteries Tom was talking about because you know there's someone who didn't bother going back to the hotel room and has been on the phone all day long reading either re or the tablet or whatever, and they really need to recharge. So I, I, I burn my phone out just like taking pictures, checking mm -hmm. Twitter. I mean, I think. Twitter is an amazing resource when it comes to being at the con and trying to figure out like, okay, what, what hot game is everybody buying? What, what events are happening that I really want to get in on? What impromptu gaming session is going on in some hotel lobby that I'd like to drop over to? You know, um, it's so much easier now to, to network via Twitter, even if it's just, you know, direct messaging or whatever than it is to, oh, okay, now give me your phone number and I will call you or I will text you. you know, it's, so you burn a lot of battery just between taking pictures and checking social, checking in on social media. Best That's what I've, I've found for battery life. I, I've got uh, a tablet called the uh, Asus Transformer. It's got a backup battery in the detachable keyboard. Uh, they've got four hours 
each, and between the two of them, I get eight hours of use out of that thing. It's it's awesome for conventions. The, the texting is what I often use to communicate at a convention, rather than trying to call because the the airwaves are just full, uh, and it's really hard to hear people. So what I use is a, a program called WhatsApp, W H A T S A P P WhatsApp. And it's a free way to text. As long as you're both signed up to it, you can just text to each other all day and it doesn't charge you anything. Yep. And if you don't like that one because Facebook just bought them out, there's another independent one called Kik, K-I-K, that does kind of the same thing. Yay, Facebook. <laughs> Buying up all the stuff. Hi, this is Nick Jaworski, and you may not realize it or probably don't care, but I edit some of the shows here on the Gamers Tavern Podcast Network. If you like podcasts but love audio editing, then I have great news for you. I have my own show titled One Degree of Separation, and you can listen to it right now and subscribe at OneDegreeWithNick.com. The show is kind of hard to describe. Each episode is basically an experiment that contains original music, stories, interviews. It's probably just best if I quickly show you some recent episodes. Try to see what you had. If you had anything interesting for me. Well, uh, have you ever, ever waterboarded somebody? It was actually a story of Abraham Lincoln, a very superstitious man, seeing his own doppelganger multiple times over a couple of nights. When looking in the mirror, he saw two faces. His normal face and then a pale, ghostly one that, that worried him. I have to get back to editing right now, but you should go check out all of that and more at OneDegreeWithNick.com. Thanks. And we're back with episode 30 of the Gamers Tavern podcast with Tom Lommel and Grady Elliott. And we were just finishing up the first part of the Convention Survival Guide, where we talked about how you get to the convention and what you should do before you get there and uh, how to plan it all out. So now we're actually at the convention. We've listened to everybody's advice. We're there a day early because Grady said it was good. We're planning to be there a day late because Tom said it was good. So now what? What is the next step? What is the next thing we need to know to survive our convention experience? There's people you want to meet at the convention, friends of yours, people you're planning on uh, actually physically meeting there get their get their contact info before you go and how would you do that email google nsa agent message you know whatever (laughs) just stalk them make make sure you make sure you know where they're going to be or how to reach them uh, once you're there because you might not have access to your usual means of talking to them if they're facebook friends or whatever and just because you have Facebook or uh, Google Plus or whatever on your phone, don't assume that they will have it because they may never check their phone. I'm going to tell you right now, at a convention center, my ringtone is the TARDIS, which is a very distinctive ringtone when I'm hanging around in Southeast Texas. Not so much not so a distinctive at a con, no. <laughs> yeah. Not that you're going to hear your phone if you're in the dealer's hall, just FYI. Yeah, I actually ripped a pocket because I kept taking my phone out so many times at one convention because I kept carrying TARDISes. TARDISI? TARDISes? TARDISes. Okay. But yeah, my phone, I, I reached in too fast one time and it just hung up and I, I wore my damn pocket out on a pair of pants. So another good reason to pack a second pair because I was able to go back to the hotel room and change. I think, too, the other thing that you should do when you get there, I mean, definitely check in with everybody that you're trying to meet up with and 
And like I said, like for me, like my preferred means of communication is Twitter, but that's simple and easy. You're right. You know, you might not get reception, you know, where certain parts of the building or, you know, whatever hotel you're staying at or what have you. I mean, that's the advantage to having an app type of thing like WhatsApp or Twitter or whatever, that if you can get on Wi-Fi at a Starbucks, you can shoot some messages off and maybe get some replies. I would also say take some time to kind of like get into the vibe of the town in terms of figure out, okay, this is my hotel room. What restaurants am I going to want to eat at? What, Where am I going to want to have breakfast tomorrow morning? How far is it to the convention center? What's How big is the convention center layout? If you can kind of walk and figure out, oh, okay, so here's where the where the vendor hall is. Here's where most of the, like the CCG gaming is going to be. Here's where I'm going to try some board games. Here's where I'm going to, you know, play, you know, D and D or Pathfinder or whatever. Um, all the role playing games, <clears throat> like kind of have an idea of where those things are, so that when it's you know ten minutes to one o'clock and you have to be there, you know, oh, okay, it's not a twenty minute walk. I can make it or whatever. The other thing you have to reckon with is, hey, that. Um, that Starbucks, that looks great. That hey, I'll just grab a cup of coffee and right before I go over to the uh, convention center and, and play my game or run my game or whatever. Guess what? Uh, every other nerd has the same exact idea. So get there half hour, forty five minutes, an hour early, and that way you're not worried about you know planning your time and and sweating in line just because you're anxious about getting to your event in time, much less what the weather's like. That's another good one if you're. Even if you're planning on your hotel because they have a continental breakfast, you're thinking, oh, I don't even have to spend money. You can just stop by there. Go early or have a backup plan because everyone else that's staying at that hotel is going to hit that breakfast bar at the same time, too, and they are going to run out of waffles. Uh, Once again, we keep talking about Gen Con because it's the one we all know probably the best. But, you know, if if you're willing to spend a little bunny, there's a really, really nice breakfast buffet right across the street from the convention center. At the uh, JW Marriott, um, I heartily recommend it. It's you know fifteen sixteen dollars, but you go, it's all you can eat buffet of good quality breakfast food. So uh, it'll keep you fortified for most of the day. Tom touched on a good point though about uh, locating where your events are going to be. That's something you want to do at the beginning of any convention is making sure that you know where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be there. Whether you're a GM or a player. It's true for any convention, but there's something about Gen Con that should be noted is that there are two, possibly three hotels with the word Marriott in their name. And that, That's true. And that has caused <laughs> endless amounts of confusion when people realize five minutes after the hour they're in the wrong hotel and the one they're supposed to be at is <laughs> probably ten minutes away. Uh, it's happened to me. It's. I think it got me once, too. <laughs> And that's also good for when you're checking into the hotel. If you've made travel arrangements, make sure you're going to the right hotel because there are two Hiltons downtown. And that's why I'm not afraid to say, hey, I'm staying at the Hilton downtown because all of our Gamers Tavern fans, stalkers, won't be able to find me because they won't know which one. <laughs> I think the other thing, too, is to is when I actually get to the hotel, I get to the con and I've had my little settle in like, OK, here we are. And I crack open my suitcase. That's when I kind of divide my suitcase into this is what I'm going to need for this day. You know, um, Grady talked about bring what you need, but, but, but within that, bring what you need for that particular day. Hey, if I'm going to spend all day board gaming, well, then I probably don't need all of my dice and those rule books and, and whatever, you know. Um, on the other hand, so I, I will kind of like divide stuff out. I'll, I'll continually, 
just because I'm a little obsessive compulsive, I will continually pack and repack my little day bag for whatever I'm taking in the convention that day. Because it may not feel like a lot. Oh, sure, it's only two roll books. That's nothing. I walk around all day at uh, at my friend's place. I bring it over there. I wreck around with it. It's, no, it's a different story where they're con and that thing's hanging on your shoulder or on your back the entire time. Even 10 or 15 pounds will wear you out. So pack what you need for the day if you can. The other thing that you have to reckon with is that your pack is going to get heavier whether you know whether you plan for it or not because you're going to walk into the vendor hall and go, oh, oh yeah, I wanted to pick up a copy of that, <laughs> or I tried this game. Oh, I'm going to take this home with me. I want my buddies to play it too. You're going to, you're, <laughs> chances are you're going to buy at least one thing during your time at the con wherever you are. Um, even at the smaller conventions, you know the the, the vendors are there to to service the, the gaming public and have. You know, have stuff available. So they'll run deals or they'll have stuff that you'll have tried that you want to pick up the rule book for. You're going to want to treat yourself. You're on vacation and you're going to want to bring home a souvenir. Next thing you know, like that vintage box of Conquest of the Empire, (laughs) you know, is something that you've got slung under your arm or whatever and you're bumping into people and no one's happy, including you. You know, if you're looking for those vintage, you know, rare, hard to find things, uh, there's usually an auction. At these types of conventions, I know Gen Con has one, and also uh, these are also a great place to go and find some really nice original artwork. Uh, they have the usually have an art show at these conventions. I, I, I like many nerds like to decorate my house with uh, you know really cool pictures of dragons <laughs> and things like that. So uh, you know that's that's one of the things I love going to conventions to do actually is to find you know some original art or a rare, hard to find or ancient game and uh, bring it home. And a lot of these conventions will also have an artist's alley where a lot of the artists will actually be yes. there doing original sketches and things like that. Uh, especially if you like web comics, uh, if you, uh, you know, Randall Milholland from something positive goes to a lot of these conventions. A lot of the web comic artists will go to these things. They'll have their merch. They'll have, they'll uh, have little sketches. They'll have original art that you can buy at the convention. So. Yeah, definitely make sure to go down Artist Alley. And you'll also see a lot of craftspeople doing all sorts of cool stuff. All that awesome stuff you see on uh, Etsy. If they're local to that con, they're probably going to be there with a booth. And I will say just in general that that those artists, like, number one, like, if you can patronize them with your dollars, definitely do that. But number two, it tends to be a, a rough slog for them at a con in terms of a lot of people just come and look and walk away. And, you know, they're... You know, as social as any gamer is, <laughs> at the very mm-hmm. least. Um, so, you know, take the time to to talk with them about their process and find out what you know how they got into this and whatnot. Like, I I always feel bad whenever it's kind of just like you know, it feels like you're sort of doing the walk of shame sometimes down Artist Alley because nobody's talking to anybody. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. But let's let's expand on that a little bit. Like. If you do go to a convention, you're going to talk to a creator, like an artist or an actor like Tom or a game designer like Grady. Uh, if you're going to talk to anybody there who's, you know, doing things or, or showing off their products or even just there to run games or, or a guest of what matter, um, what are the tips? What are, how do you, how do you guys expect people to talk to you in a way that is the most successful? Not in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, not in the bathroom. Yeah, Mac Martin has a great story uh, is, about that. <laughs> every celebrity has a good story about that one. The rule of thumb is, if the creator's dick is in their hands, shut your mouth. I guess I haven't quite made it yet, because I've never had anybody try to talk to me in the bathroom. But <laughs> uh, Mac Martin certainly has, and yeah, so don't do not do that. Don't talk to them in the bathroom. 
But so Tom and Grady, that's that's the question for you guys. What are the best ways to approach people like yourselves at a convention? Uh, Grady, do you want to handle the uh, game designer end of things? I'm not sure what to say to that. Can I tell you my character story of oh. the character that I've worked on for the last 15 years for your setting? And by the way, I changed everything in your setting because I didn't like it. Oh, they can do that if they want to. I mean, if, you know, if they bought the book, if they, if they bought the book, they've paid the entry fee, they can do what they want with it. But is that the most successful way to talk to you? Probably not. I, I, I haven't had a whole lot of people talk to me about this setting. Um, not, uh, not at conventions, really. I think one thing to that you may have to realize in dealing with with the the creators is that you might be a bigger nerd about whatever they wrote than they. Oh yeah, actually no are. question. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've seen I've seen people pin you know designers down on some weird obscure question like where did this come from and it was like you know what maybe that was something that just like occurred to them that day and they threw it in as a little flourish maybe not everybody's Ed Greenwood where there's like a 95 page backstory to every little detail that happened to find its way into a rule book um, so I think there's there's like realize that that they don't they don't necessarily have time to to immerse themselves in the nerditude as much as as you might and even if they do they may not know exactly which draft you're talking about because i'm sure both ross and grady can back me up on this when you're writing something especially if you're designing rules for it you're going to have about 15 or 20 drafts of whatever you're doing i'm still trying to imagine a world where everyone is at greenwood (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a little crazy um but yeah, you got a point. You know, yeah, when you're a designer, you go through different drafts. Uh, I know that the draft of Terracide that I played through is probably not the same as the final. I know that the draft of you know the games that I worked on and created, like uh, Rogue Trader and Death Watch and Edge of the Empire, those are not the the final product either. And yeah, I y- y- there's a good chance that I'll be like, I'm not sure what you're talking about when you come up to me and <laughs> mention a specific thing. But um, you know, I, th- I think game designers, uh, we're always willing to talk to people about it. We're always interested to hear what you think. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's a question of like, if you want to be successful at talking to me or talking to Grady or talking to other game designers, your best bet is to not lead with the, uh, character story. Just, just saying. The interesting thing to me is that, um, you know, this, this thing that I did that started out as, basically a homebrew setting that people just kept asking me, hey, are you going to publish this or not? I had no intention of doing that, and I'm still amazed that it got published. So I'm just like, the fact that people are talking about it at all has still, I still haven't gotten over the shock of that, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) I'm still, I get recognized at cons, and I'm like, I don't even do anything. I interview people and review games and do a podcast. I haven't. I wasn't even doing the podcast when I was going to a lot of cons, but I still had people recognizing me. I'm like, the hell? Game designers were recognizing me. That was it's. Weird. It's, it's like, one of the best things about the industry is really just sort of meeting people who enjoy what you do. Wouldn't you say, Tom? I, I think. I mean, that's definitely a big payoff. Is that you know, like Grady said, you've created something, you've released it into the world, and everybody in our hobby is. Like it, it demands to be um, hacked or altered in some way. You know, it's not like like if you're a novelist uh, and somebody says, "Oh, I really liked this chapter in the book where so and so does whatever it is." You know, like you you've 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 crystallized moments. You've cr- crafted a definitive experience of that book. And then if people want to do fanfic, it's almost kind of like this weird subculture thing, right? It's not the accepted way to enjoy it. 
Whereas if I take the Tomb of Horrors and I run it for my group, their experience is going to be different and unique from everybody else's experience. Yeah, there'll be a bunch of common things where somebody sticks their hand into the giant demon mouth and gets disintegrated. Fine, whatever. Oh, spoiler (laughs) alert. Sorry, everybody. Episodes ago, I talked about how I got a group to jump in that thing three times. (laughs) Right, right. So, which exactly like so what I'm but what I'm getting at is that by the nature of our hobby, whatever you create is designed to be engaged and altered by the fans and the players that consume it. And and so I think that's what people, you know, as as somebody who's created a character and, and created a few things that have gone out there, like like, you know, a, a group of guys actually played through the world's worst dungeon crawl and did it as a Google Hangout and put it on YouTube. And for me, it was, like, immensely gratifying to watch this. It certainly wasn't anything like the experience that I provided live at the con, but it was it was really amazing to see somebody take something that I had created and then watch them put their own spin on it. And I think that's, you know, when, when I want to, when I want to have that fan interaction, I want to know that somebody got something, was inspired by what I did, and... um and that's essentially all I really need from them. Like, I don't want them to monopolize my time so that other people can't. That's a big you know, deal. Can't interact that's a with big me. Deal. But, but I do want to know, like, oh, hey, I'm just, I'm just gratified when somebody says, I really, you know, I love your show, or I, I, I loved this joke, or I loved this episode, or whatever it was. Especially when you're either like a YouTube creator, like I, the stuff that I do, or if you're a pencil and paper, you know, writer, a game designer. You put this stuff out there, and then you only really hear about it through the comment section of the internet, internet, which is not necessarily the uh, the most rewarding funnel <laughs> yeah. for feedback. Tom's got a great point about not monopolizing time. I think that's something I'm sensitive to. Certainly, when I'm trying to talk to someone, is I, I say, "Hey, listen, I'm you know, I just want to say a couple things, and then I'll let you get back to whatever you're doing." And and part of that comes from like some really bad experiences with that. Uh, there's an artist I'm a big fan of, uh, Fred Perry. Guy's excellent. Um, he does a comic book called Gold Digger. He was at Project Acon one year, and I tried to come, uh, you know, get, I basically just want to tell him how much I appreciated his artwork and get him to sign the thing, you know. Uh, well, there was these guys that basically formed a human wall around Fred, and they weren't letting anyone else get in there to talk to him, and they were all commissioning him for their own specific pieces of art, you know. But that was it. That They were not letting anyone else in there. Well, let me tell you, I had just flown from Korea, where I was stationed in the Army, so I had crossed many thousands of miles to get there, and I, you know, I just elbowed my way into that damn circle <laughs> to get a chance to talk to Fred. But, uh, yeah, so I, I've had some bad experiences with that, so I, I would echo, you know, what Tom said there and just you know, be aware that if, especially if someone else is obviously there waiting, you know, don't monopolize them. Say what you got to say. I, th- I think even if nobody is there waiting, like if you if you buttonhole somebody in the hallway, or if they're standing looking at you know a set of rule books or something at some other vendor's booth or whatever, just keep in mind that the chances are they've carved out ten minutes yes. of precious time out of their day to do whatever they're doing, or they're probably on their way someplace else to take a business meeting, to talk yes. at a panel, to, you know, run a game or whatever. It's that that their schedule is nowhere near as flexible yes. as yours Excellent is. Excellent points. Excuse me, uh, Mr. Lamel. I'm a big fan of your work. I love the Dungeon Pastor. I just want to let you know that. Um, I just had one quick question for you. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, thank you very much. 
Yeah, great. Can I can I sign here? Do you want a card? Can I sign something for you? That's that a good interaction. You know, like, I'm happy to have those, you know, those interactions. Yeah. If the person has free time and they're in a mood to be social, I, I did the same thing with uh, Pat Oswalt when I met him randomly on the street in Austin one time during South by Southwest. I was walking on the street. And some, he was on his cell phone. I immediately stopped and did not approach. The second after he closed his phone, like maybe 0.7 seconds later, it was Mr. Oswalt. I'm a big fan of your work, and I just want to say I really like your stuff. Shake your hands, and I'm going to leave you alone before I completely nerd out. And he laughed, and I got giddy because I made my favorite comedian laugh. <laughs> and, uh, and he had time to talk. So we st- stood there in the street, got out of everyone's way, and just chatted for like 10 or 15 minutes because he had the time and was in the mood to do so. I held him to no obligation to do so, but he wanted to. If he were busy, I would have understood and let him get on about his day. But I got to meet him, shake hands. I, I appreciate your work. Now, this is not to say that you shouldn't be, you know, that you need to be, uh, you know, extra solicitous to celebrities because everyone who's been at that convention has paid money and traveled distance to be there. So you should be on your best behavior pretty much for everybody. I think that's a that's a fair statement. Uh, you know, Daryl brings up another point uh, kind of tangentially, which I think is very important to consider, which is, I've always got time for, uh, or 99% of the time, I have time for a quick, like, hey, can we take a picture? Absolutely great. I'd love to take a picture with you. Fantastic. But, like, like Daryl said, get out of the way. That's like, 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 I know you, like, you maybe ran into somebody in the middle of the hall and, like, oh, hey, can we quick take a picture? Or you run into somebody who's got that perfect solid snake costume or whatever. That's great. But you know what? Move to the side of the hallway. That's the big thing. Especially the ones who have the big, huge, giant, like, angel wing costumes. And they'll, and there's like three of them, and they'll stop right in the middle of the aisle. By my third convention last year, I was just, screw it. I walked right in front of the picture just because I had places to be at and you guys are you guys are monopolizing a 20 foot wide thing for your picture right get out of the way yeah almost all these convention centers have these big huge giant entry hallways outside the convention center if you really have to get that picture with the cosplayers and everything try to do it out there where there's a lot more room and not many people trying to get by that's a good point you bring up about you know the costuming and everything because there's people like to wear costumes and you should really read the convention rules before you go. You know, make sure you know what, what you need to do if you're wearing a convent, uh, a costume. And even if you're not, it doesn't hurt to know what the rules are, right? And I think there's the flip side of it too, which is the person who's taking the picture has the responsibility because I've seen that too where the, 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 the cosplayers are standing off to one side in the hallway, but then the person taking the picture will back up into traffic and stand there <laughs> with no awareness of all these people who are backing up or avoiding them or whatever. So it's something that both sides of the equation I think need to be cognizant of, which is like, let's, okay, let's make sure we're all in a spot where we can take a picture without holding up the whole you know, the whole flow of things. I think a big part of that is just Wheaton's Law. Don't be a dick. Well, that's true for... Yeah, yeah, that's just generally <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. We're getting close to the uh, the final, the last call here at the Tavern. Uh, let's ask Grady and Tom for their final thoughts on the convention survival guide. What do you need to do to survive your first convention? Final thoughts, uh, Grady. If anything goes wrong, keep your head. That's the best advice I can give you. Stay calm. Don't freak out. Yeah, I was I was at a convention. Uh, well, okay, we're back to Gen Con again. I uh, <laughs> I had had my I had my badge sent to Will Call, and instead of having it mailed to me, I went to Will Call. I had no badge, 
and they were, um, well, they were giving me a song and dance about not being able to check their computer system to see if I had paid for it. Mm. Of course, they can do that there, but the guy that I was talking to said, no, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that here. Uh, I ended up at Convention HQ shortly thereafter. It was down the hall and around the corner, but I was at Convention HQ office. I was one radio call away from the, the head honcho of Gen Con. But I, I kept my cool through the whole thing and just said, okay, what do I need to do to straighten this out? Uh, of course, the people at HQ, they knew how to check the computer system, and they said, of course you're paid, and they printed out my receipt. And one of their people walked me right back to customer service, and they they took me to the head of customer service, and they said, uh, this man paid for a badge. Please give him a badge. I kept my cool through that whole thing, and <laughs> you know I didn't you know blow up at anybody. I didn't explode, and... It took them a while, but they got it straightened out. They got me my badge. You know, you work with the staff at the con; they'll they'll straighten things out for you. So you just gotta you know keep your cool, work the system, and it'll it'll come together. So that's that's my final advice: is things go wrong at conventions. There's no need to you know lose your cool. Work through it, and it'll come together. And the staff is there to help you. They are. Then they will. All right, that's good, uh, Mr. Lommel. You know, I, I think I'm going to, in, in some ways, piggyback off of uh, Grady's advice, which is we're all there to have fun. And don't don't put your fun at a priority over anyone else's. Oh, that's a good point. Um, and, and I think that's kind of, and in some ways, that's what he was saying. But it, it, it applies to just being a good guest at the convention. And I think the other thing, too, is, you, you especially your first year, you can't do it all. And and so specifically schedule yourself so that not only do you do a, a bare-bones set of things that you absolutely want to do, but you leave yourself time to do the things that you're going to discover. You know, So leave yourself time to play a demo game or play one of the many pickup games that's invariably going to happen. Or, uh, you know, I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of games that I've gotten into because somebody was starting a, you know, starting a session of D&D or whatever. They had a scenario all ready to go and they had eight players registered and two of the guys didn't show up. <laughs> and they're like, hey, are you looking to play D&D? We just need two more. Yeah, yeah, I want to play D&D. Yeah, well, guess what? I got nothing going on for the next three and a half hours. Perfect. Let's sit down and play. Um, so... You're going to want to have time to go in the the dealer hall and just wander around. You're going to want to have time, you know what, to just frankly sit down and have a burger and a beer and talk with your buddies about like what you want to do tomorrow so or what happened that day or what game you can't don't wait to play. Right? Don't overcommit. It's really easy to do. We're all nerds. We're all enthusiastic about our hobby. Um, I, I, for one, am guilty of that to the, to the ninth degree. But I've learned in the years that I've gone that, like, for me, going to a con is about one big thing, and that's doing stuff that I can't do in my home game. So whether that's playing a game or playing a scenario that that we wouldn't normally play or demoing something or meeting somebody or learning about something new that I wouldn't necessarily check, wouldn't be able to check out here at my home game, like, that's why you go to the convention to, like, kind of, like, indulge in new experiences and broaden your experience of role-playing. If you're just going to go there to prove that you're the alpha nerd oh, and you're the king of the king of the geek pile <laughs> you're again you're not being no. a good guest you're not you're not being a good gamer be a good gamer be a good gamer it's a it's a team sport no, everybody that's that's, that's my advice point. so so treat it that, that way that's an excellent point I, i'm gonna build on what tom said right then because that's exactly the right thing is to just be a good gamer and you know a thing that's kind of been 
you know, more awareness has been raised to this, I think, lately over the more than anything else. Uh, part of that is, is harassment. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of ladies out there who like to cosplay. There's a lot of ladies out there who like to game. Uh, and they're getting, you know, it's about, even from those people we talked about taking photos, you know, there's, there's ways to take photos that are, that are the right way. And there's ways to compliment people on their costumes that is the right way. And there's, there's absolutely the wrong way to do that too. So Whedon's law applies. Do not be a dick. Don't harass anybody in any way, shape or form. Just, you know, realize they're there to have fun just like you are. And your fun is not more important than theirs. Those are all really excellent points uh, from Tom. And I just wanted to make sure and, you know, hammer home a little bit more. And uh, so that's going to take us to Daryl. I just had a couple of tips that we didn't kind of short on time. So we didn't get to everything because it's a lot to talk about. But uh, biggest tips are number one, Ross said this, but I want to reiterate it. Read the rules at the convention. Everyone is going to have something a little bit different. Some of them will allow you to carry a water bottle with you. Some of them will allow no outside food or drinks. Don't try to sneak one in. If you get caught, you're kicked out. Uh, if they say no alcohol, don't try to sneak it into the hotel, with the hotel coffee cup and fill it up with bourbon before you head to the, comp- the floor. They will catch you. You will get thrown out. That was not meant to be a tip, by the way. That was... Um, <laughs> But if they have a lot of them, will have, do, you, do you have a list of do you have a list of any no. other things we should yeah. not yeah, definitely I'm, do? I'm writing this down right now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, a lot of them have zero tolerance policies for any sort of violence, any weapons, even costume weapons. Zero tolerance on drugs on premises. Pay attention to those and do not break them because you will get kicked out. You will get banned for life. And a lot of these conventions talk to each other too. So if you get banned from one, you may find out that you're banned from other ones. And, oh, you bought that pass in this name? Oh, you came up as a red flag for us. You can't come to our convention and no refunds on your badge. Sorry. So make sure you're abiding those rules. Uh, tip number two, wear comfortable shoes. You're going to be walking a lot, a lot more than you're probably used to. Be sure to dress comfortably. And number three, for those drinkers out there, moderation, because... I'm going to tell you, I've done it every con I've been to, and I keep telling myself I'm not going to do it this time. I'm probably going to do it all summer long, but that Sunday morning is a bitch when you've got that weekend-long hangover (laughs) that just caught up to you and nailed you Sunday morning. It's not fun. Don't do it. Drink in moderation. And my biggest one, be nice to the staff. Be polite. Say please and thank you. Tip your waitresses tip the bellboys these people are there to help you they're there to serve you treat them well and they will treat you well it goes back to don't be a dick if you tip if you tip properly they're going to remember you and be nicer to you and they're also going to remember oh hey all those gamers at the con were really nice and they tipped really well so they're not going to make any sort of snide remarks under their breath about and look at all these nerds yeah, well, there's some, there's definitely some excellent places to go at Gen Con. I always recommend Scotty's Brew House if you want excellent service. And, uh, you know, Daryl's got a great point about making sure to tip everybody because, uh, that is their, that is their work. That's what they do. And that is so, especially true their for families. our, for our international listeners because a lot of other countries don't tip. In the U.S., it's expected anytime basically someone hands you any sort of food or drink to give them some sort of tip. Usually, you want to do 15 to 25 percent of whatever the cost is. So keep that in mind and budget it whenever you're budgeting for your food if you're not used to tipping. But, yeah, do some internet research on that. So let's start with Grady. Grady, 
What is your newest thing, and where can I find you on the interwebs? Oh, my newest thing I'm working on, or sure. Let's see, newest thing I'm working on. Um, what what's coming out soon from Grady? Oh, yes, I'm working on the. I'm working currently working on the Savage Worlds edition of Terracide, which Woo-hoo! is the the science fiction setting about the destruction of humanity's home system and the people who survive it. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Terracide. It's pretty much just what uh, what I was talking about there. The um, the home system. <laughs> it starts with Earth the, blowing the up. Home, That's how the, the game the begins. The home system is gone, and the the survivors are. The, the people who were living in the extrasolar colonies. Basically space colonies within, oh, say, 20 light years of Earth for the most part. And there weren't a whole lot of them. Basically 1% of the human race is still alive. Now this is a hard sci-fi setting. Mm-hmm. And uh, exactly. if you were going to recommend this to fans of hard sci-fi, what, you know, what, is there a novel series maybe that it's like that, that would be a good fit for the tone and uh, style? I looked to Alistair Reynolds' Revelation Space for a lot of it. That certainly wasn't the only inspiration for it, but that was uh, that was a large part of it, yeah. Oh, there were a lot of other sources, but I don't have my bibliography right in front of me, so I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> that, uh, that. That was one of my favorite series, yeah. The, the listeners might find it kind of curious how I know just so much about Grady and his game. Uh, the, the honest truth is Grady and I were actually roommates for about a year and a half. Uh, wasn't it in uh, Maryland? Yeah. And we knew we knew each other for a while before that too. And yeah. Ross was uh, one of the people who was involved in some of the very earliest playtests. That's right. And uh, Grady ran some truly unforgettable games for us in his uh, <clears throat> his superhero game, which was called Vendetta Rhapsody, which was absolutely beautiful in a lot of ways. And Terracide, uh, of course, I got to play in some of the early playtests of that as well. And Grady was one of the first original players of Shadows Angelus, uh, which... Which was amazing. Uh, any, anybody <laughs> anybody who knows me probably knows it's the like un, the great unpublished campaign setting of mine. Uh, <laughs> but there's that. Uh, thank you, Grady. Where can we find you on the interwebs if we want to learn more about Terracide? Oh, gosh. Um... The uh, the hero version of Terracide is available in the uh, I think it's on Hero Games right now. It's also in Blackworm Games, and it's available on Amazon. At this point, I don't actually have uh, a website as such, so that's something I need to uh, think about doing very soon. So Blackworm Games is at www.blackworm. Mm-hmm. That's w y r m blackworm dot com. We'll have a link to that in the yes. show notes. And there, oh, there is also, actually, there is a TerraCide preview thread in the licensee forum on uh, Pinnacle Games uh, discussion forum. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So there, there, there is excellent. some advanced information on about TerraCide, uh, the Savage Worlds edition, in that, on that forum. All right. And a cat, apparently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not, not mine interrupting this time. Cats and the internet, they go together. <laughs> okay, uh, Mr. Lommel, uh, what is your latest thing, and where can we find you on the interwebs? Uh, my latest thing, as always, is, uh, well, there's two, uh, two latest things, as a matter of fact. Um, you can find everything Dungeon Bastard related at DungeonBastard.com. Um, there's also a Facebook presence at uh, Facebook.com slash Dungeon Bastard, or I'm on Twitter at Dungeon Bastard. So those are, uh, those are the immediate things that you can uh, check me out at. About every two weeks, we put up a new episode um, with you know various filler content here and there. 
I will also be appearing as Bill Cavalier, the Dungeon Bastard, at BerserkCon in Duluth. This is their second year. If you are in the Upper Midwest, uh, that is June 6th through the 8th. And I will not only be appearing and signing and all of those fun things, but i also be running some games. So it's BerserkCon, B-E-R-S-E-R-K-O-N, BerserkCon. That's in Duluth in June. Uh, I will obviously be at Gen Con, I'm sure involved with Nazcrag, as well as involved in the Any Awards, uh, the only industry award in uh, role-playing games that is uh, decided by the fans and for the fans. I will be co-hosting that with Jen Page in August at Gen Con. And finally, I will be appearing as the Dungeon Bastard again <laughs> at um, Gamehole Con in Madison in November. So there's a lot of Midwest love there. Um, both of those cons, those smaller cons, excellent, excellent opportunities to um, not only get your game on, but uh, meet various people from out the gamosphere. So I, w- I will be there. I'm also um, involved, like I said, in Fear of Girls. I'm one of the leads in the web series Fear of Girls, and we're about to premiere our fourth installment. They're 20-minute episodes, so I don't really want to say that it's like our fourth episode and make it sound like it's weak. <laughs> They're kind of like mini-vignettes, and uh, that starts next week. So uh, those are the things, you know. Um, uh, Twitter is the best way to, to keep track of me, definitely. I'm, I'm just curious. Do you run the entire game in character as Bill Cavalier? Absolutely. Wow. Yes, yes. What's the point of playing <laughs> if you're not going to play with Bill Cavalier? <laughs> Come on, Ross. Do you think... He, look, Tom Lommel is a dish rag, okay? That guy is a pushover. I've seen games that he's running. He lets characters survive. Four hours in character that's not is, what, a, is, a, is a challenge for anybody, I would say. So that's that's kudos to you, sir. It's a, it's a challenge I'm definitely up for. So if, if we're the listeners, for the listeners who may not know, uh, can you tell us a little bit about Bill Cavalier and the Dungeon Master? Just like, what is it and who is he? Yeah, so um basically it it's uh <laughs> what's the what's the what's I mean, I'm probably gonna give you the creepiest way that it's been described, which is sort of like Chuck Norris meets Richard Simmons for Dungeons and Dragons players. Wow. Um, so uh, so you just wrap your brain around that. Um so basically Bill Cavalier is sort of like he is that alpha nerd who thinks too much of himself and has decided that there's definitely a right way and a wrong way to play role-playing games, and you're doing it wrong if you're not doing it the Bill Cavalier way. <laughs> the awesome. best introduction so, uh, that I've seen to it is probably the very first episode, the little short you did where you were uh, posing as the gaming coach and training the one guy, and he's sitting there rolling, practicing rolling the die, and without even looking, Bill Cavalier says, that's a D12. Yes, you're rolling the wrong dice. Come yeah, on. Does, does Bill yes. champion so the, so uh, that's the, guys the is, palm method or the uh, the cup method? Well, I, I think you, you know there there has to be a little bit of uh, there has to be a little swizzle, right? A little wrist action kind of, in there. Yeah, yeah. You have to warm them a little bit. You can't you can't just pick them up and drop them. So there's a shake right? involved. Yeah, there's got to be a shake, and then then the flick, the, the the down flick. You you here's here's the thing, Ross. You want to trick the die into what's going on. Oh, oh, I'm just I'm going back and forth. I'm going back and whoa, I'm going down to the table. You want to surprise that die. For the maximum possible result. It's scientifically <laughs> proven that when dice are surprised, they roll higher. Wow. That is fantastic right there. 
Yeah. So that's a little taste of the uh, of the dungeon bastard. I have I, I have episodes that cover almost every aspect of 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 D anD D, from uh, a whole series on what class and race to play to a specific one off. Uh, episodes uh, dealing with edition wars and all that sort of fun stuff. I do believe I quoted you when we did our edition wars episode. Uh, we actually titled ours and it was kind of a riff on that. Edition wars are bullshit. Right, exactly. But I believe uh, your exact words were, do you care if a, if dwarf is a class or a race? Who gives exactly. a shit? You know, exactly. I've gotta, I gotta say, right now I would love to have a game sit down and play a game <laughs> with with Tom Lommel and characters, Bill Cavalier, Jolly Blackburn. Uh, <laughs> you you got to get the game science guy, Luzachi, in there for the dice rolling bits. And man, wouldn't that be one hell of a game? Uh, it's it, there's definitely like Bill Cavalier has an has in in an old school kind of foundation with some sort of new school twists to him. Um, but yeah, yeah, and I will say that the, in the Ask the Bastard segments that I do. 98% of those questions are actual questions that are submitted to me. I, it's not like <laughs> Ask a Ninja where they run out of stuff to talk about so they start making up questions. I mean, these uh, with very, very, I, I can't even think of more than maybe three different things where I'm like, well, I want to tackle this or whatever. I, I don't make up questions. They're, they're, I might edit them down, but those are real questions from real gamers, and that's <laughs> something that I actually pride myself on. <laughs> Fantastic. And it's on behalf of Daryl and myself, we want to say uh, thank you. We're very grateful to have you guys on, on board the show for tonight. And we'd love to have you back sometime, both you and Grady. Sounds great. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I, I love being on. It's great to be here. All right, guys. Uh, thanks so much. And looks like the bartender's given us the eye. The Imperial Guard are coming by uh, to check that the uh, places or taverns are being shut down. So until next time, may all your hits be crits. That's it for this week's Gamers Tavern. Next week, we're having our first State of the Industry Address, where we will talk about where the tabletop industry has been the past year, where it is now, and where we think it should go in the future. Our guests are Gamers Tavern Game Table GM, Brendan Ginsimer, and the creator of Savage Worlds himself, Shane Hensley. We actually got him recorded Literally the day after it was announced that Deadlands would be one of the launch titles for the new Xbox Live lineup of live action TV shows. So make sure to check that out. And we got some great comments this past week, but to be honest, my setup is still not fully done. As you might can tell, the new studio still needs some work. So, unfortunately, I'm not going to get to those this week. But next episode, I will definitely address all your comments. And if you would like to leave a comment about any of our podcasts, go to GamersTavern.org, where you can also find our store. We can get many products with our logo to show your support of the show, as well as our You Gotta Be Critting Me t-shirt. Other ways you can show your support are to visit our sponsors, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or review us on iTunes. You can also find both Ross and I at Comic Palooza this weekend in Houston, Texas. That's May 23rd through the 26th. If you're in the area, stop by because we're going to be doing a lot of ad hoc recordings for the show, including at least one recording with the double clicks. 
So you can find out more information about the convention at comicpalooza.com. The Gamer's Tavern is licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives 4.0 license. Music for the One Degree ad is copyright Nick Jaworski, all rights reserved, used with permission. Music for the Audible ad is Tavern Brawl Demo, copyright Save or Die, all rights reserved, used with permission. Music for the Animation Celebration is copyright Undead Henson, all rights reserved, used with permission. Until next time, the tavern is closed. Hi, this is Rich. And Amanda. For Animation Celebration. This July 4th, come on down to the convention. July 4th through the 6th, Moody Gardens Hotel and Resort and Spa down in Galveston, Texas. We're going to be set up with concerts, vendors, artists, and a lot of gaming. All the usual convention fun and Robert Schwab. Robert will be doing an exclusive epic D&D gaming night with six players per night. These six players will be able to sit down and have a closed session with food, drinks, and unlimited supply of Doritos and Mountain Dew for that whole session. This will be some pretty awesome gaming with one of the creators of Dungeons & Dragons. What happens in the room stays in the room. We'll have a lot of other good VIP games going on. What we have, Munchkin, Warhammer, Cards Against Humanity, official tournaments for Magic the Gathering out, awesome prizes to win for our main concert night outside. Fourth of July, there's even a fireworks show set up with our bands, the Cybertronic Spree, all the way from Canada, dressed up like the Transformers, followed by Unknown Henson from Cartoon Network's early Kyler on Squidbillies. Pick up your tickets online while you can. This resort has never not been sold out that weekend. We recommend you book early. The web address is www.animation-celebrationgalveston.com home. Tickets are on sale now. We look forward to seeing you all there.